let my errors be proven by scripture. And I will revoke my work and throw my books into the fire. You have not answered the question. You, Martin Luther, will not draw into doubt those things which the Catholic Church has judged already. Things that have passed into usage, right, and observance. The faith that Christ, the most perfect lawgiver, ordained. The faith the martyrs strengthened with their blood. You wait in vain for a disputation over things that you are obligated to believe. Now give your answer. Yes or no? Will you recant or will you not? Since your majesty and your lordships desire a simple reply, I will answer. Unless I am convinced by scripture and by plain reason and not by popes and councils who have so often contradicted themselves, my conscience is captive to the word of God. To go against conscience is neither right nor safe. Reformation Sunday, the day we remember how easily we forget the gospel, said Scotty Smith of God's all-saving, knee-buckling, heart-gladdening, sovereign grace. Four years before that moment, on October 31st, 1517, a Roman Catholic monk named Martin Luther nailed a piece of paper to the castle church door in Wittenberg, Germany. The 95 Theses fiery and scripture-honoring, Christ-exalting, were protests against the Roman Catholic Church, and they sparked one of the most significant events in the history of the church, the Protestant Reformation, from which our denomination and a multitude of other Protestant denominations comes. Luther renounced in his theses many of the Roman Catholic Church's errors and heresies, from penance to confession to indulgences and the saying of the Mass. But at the heart of his concern were the solas, the solas of the Reformation, the doctrines of sola scriptura, scripture alone, sola gratia, grace alone, sola fide, faith alone, and solus Christus, Christ alone. 
These were clearly denied by the Roman Catholic Church with anathemas, curses, pronounced against any who would believe salvation was by grace alone through faith in the work of Christ alone. Later on, as seen in the video, Martin Luther stood uh, firm in the gospel and on the word of God as he refused to recant before the Holy Roman Empire's Diet of Worms in 1521. What followed after the moment you just saw is the Edict of Worms, a pronouncement by the group meeting there that made Luther an outlaw and forbade anyone to shelter or help him or any of his followers. He became an outcast and a fugitive for a few years. The Roman Catholic Church almost quenched the flame of God's grace alone gospel. But God graciously used men like Martin Luther, Philip Melanchthon, Ulrich Zwingli, John Calvin, John Knox, and more to revive the biblical truth of justification by grace alone through faith in the work of Christ alone. And you've heard that recently. Have you not? Where have we been, church? We've been in the book of Galatians, and we've been spending a whole lot of time seeing what Paul has to say about that very truth of justification. We've been looking at the liberating, life-giving gospel in the book of Galatians. Today is a transition from Paul's letter to the Galatians to the letter written by James, the brother of Jesus. Now, the heart of James' letter has been seen to stand in contrast, even contradiction to Galatians. However, the truth that faith without works is dead that we learn from James 2, in our passage for this morning, we're going to see Paul himself clearly teaching and upholding the same reality. I want to talk to you this morning about who you are in Christ. You are the creations of grace. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2. This morning we're going to look at verses 8 through 10. We're going to key in on verse 10 this morning. The creations of grace from Ephesians 2 verses 8 through 10. And here's the truth I want you to take home. Grace recreates us to be God's living masterpieces who do good works for his glory. Grace recreates us to be God's living masterpieces who do good works for His glory. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast for We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Grace recreates us to be God's living masterpieces who do good works for His glory. I want you to see two truths from these three verses. First of all, we can't skip verses 8 and 9. We can't, we can't miss another recap of the gospel so beautifully done by Paul here in verses 8 and 9. First of all, salvation is the gift of grace. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one 
can boast. That the truth of justification by faith in Christ alone is being taught here and, and said so plainly. It is grace that saves. Salvation is the gift of grace. Literally, verse 8 says, by grace you have been saved. The Greek word order being for emphasis there, by grace. That's how you were saved, Paul says. The basis of salvation is God's grace in Jesus. Then Paul tells us how we receive this grace through faith. Faith receives, doesn't it? It doesn't earn. Faith takes the gift. Faith believes the goodness and grace of God to us in Jesus and says yes to the offer of free and full forgiveness of sins and righteousness from Christ himself. Faith receives, it doesn't earn. And then Paul says, and this is not from yourselves. In case there's any question about what grace means, what it means is you're not the one doing the work. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. The whole of our salvation is a gift of grace. Even the faith we have in Jesus Christ. Why? Why did God make salvation to be by grace through faith? Verse 9 tells us, not by works so that, here's the purpose, the reason he made it for, by grace and not by works, so that no one can boast. Salvation is is an affair between you and God where there's only one party that gets glory and it's the God who gave his own son to die for your sins and become your righteousness. Galatians 6, verse 14, we were there last Sunday. May I never boast, Paul said, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul knew why God saved us by grace and therefore he said may I never boast in anything about me may I only boast in the cross first Corinthians chapter 1 verses 30 and 31 Paul writing again says it is because of him because of God that you are in Christ Jesus you know why you're in Christ Jesus if you are today it's because of God the father God put you there God saved you you didn't save yourself God sought you, you didn't go seeking God. God came to you and he saved you. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in who? The Lord. Quote from Jeremiah chapter 9 right there. Let the one who boasts, boast in the the Lord. That's the reason God did it the way he did it. That's the reason he made salvation the way he did through Christ and through his sacrifice so that no one could boast unless they boasted in the Lord. Salvation is the gift of grace. And we spent the last several months looking at that salvation by grace, the gift of grace in the book of Galatians. And so just a couple minutes I wanted to spend recapping the beautiful gift of grace that salvation is. But secondly, I want you to see this morning from verse 10, and we're going to camp out here just a little bit, that salvation is not only the gift of grace. Salvation is more than a gift given to us. It is the creation of grace. That is to say, grace not only gives us something, grace creates something in us. Look at what it says, for we are God's handiwork. 
If you're a follower of Jesus today, this verse is about you and it's telling you who you are in Christ. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. From the New Living Translation, it goes this way, for we are God's masterpiece. And that's a good translation of the Greek there. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. The Greek text here says his workmanship, his masterpiece we are. It's emphatic. Paul is saying you have been created by grace. You have been made anew by God himself. You are God's handiwork. I hope that's not wasted on us this morning, right? What an amazing reality to think that we have been acted on by God and recreated into his masterpiece. That's how he thinks about us. All by grace. Salvation is the creation of grace. You see, what is created, just think, simply with me for a minute. What is created has no part in its own creation, right? Y'all tracking? Just some simple logic here. It is the object and the product of the creator's work alone. That's who I am in Christ. That's who you are in Christ. Salvation is not only the gift of a righteous legal standing before God. It is. That's justification by faith alone in the work of Christ alone. It is, salvation is the gift of a righteous legal standing before God, but it is not only that. Salvation, verse 10 teaches us, is the creative work of God in us, whereby those who trust Jesus are changed and enabled to walk in obedience and holiness All of which, if you'll remember our scripture reading at the beginning of the the service, all of which were foreign and impossible while we were still living in our old nature. Chapter 2 of Ephesians, verses 1 through 3. When left on our own, you know what we did? We disobeyed God. Why? Because we were by nature children of wrath. We did what our nature would allow us to do. And that was disobey God. Holiness, love, obedience to God. They weren't possibilities, but we have been created anew by God. Grace recreates us to be God's living masterpieces who do good works for his glory. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 17 and 18, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You see, true Jesus followers are not self-made, self-righteous, self-empowered people. They are God-created masterpieces of grace. They are in Christ alone righteous kind of people. They are those who are empowered by Jesus' indwelling spirit to live holy lives of love. They are you and they are me if you know Jesus today. The fruit of grace is a life of good works. The result 
of salvation by grace alone, through faith in Christ, in the work of Christ alone, is people who have been recreated by grace to live in holiness. It's the result of grace. Another way to think of this is the fruit of good works grows out of the root of justification by faith alone, through faith in the work of Christ alone. If you've experienced the root of justification, then you will see in your life the fruit of good works being produced by the indwelling Holy Spirit and the grace of God that has remade you. As John Calvin says, it is therefore faith alone which justifies, and yet the faith which justifies is not alone. Just as it is the heat alone of the sun which warms the earth, and yet in the sun it is not alone because it is constantly conjoined with light. What is is Calvin saying? He's saying faith that saves is faith that works. The works don't save, but the same faith that saves us, that justifies us, is the faith, is the connection to the grace of God that produces a life of holiness and obedience in us. Here's the question this morning. Do we look like masterpieces of God as we live out a life of good works by His power and for His glory? You see, a lifestyle of good works and holiness, which Jesus said can be summed up, which Paul in Galatians said can be summed up by love God with all you are and love your neighbor as yourself. This lifestyle of good works and holiness has been the plan of God, this text tells us, for his people since before the world began. These are works God planned beforehand that we should walk in them, the text says. So are you living to love God as your highest treasure and to love God by loving other people as practically and consistently as you love yourself? By the way, tonight what we're going to talk about in our marriage class is this very thing applied to marriage. Are you living as a couple, one with another, and in the world around you in such a way that you are shining as, 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 as God's masterpieces, His grace and His beauty as you live lives of holiness in sync with Him, not the world around us. One commentator said, All the works are ready. God prepared them beforehand that we should walk in them. They only await the living doers and their doing. Are we in sync as the creations of grace with the salvation plan God has for our lives? James 1 verse 22, as we'll be beginning James next week, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And you see, there's no contradiction between grace and works. There's no contradiction between Paul in Galatians and James in in, in the letter by the same name. For as Paul also says in Titus 2, verses 11 to 14, listen. He says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. God has sent his Son, and, and his grace is there for everyone. It's an offer made to the world, right? 
But listen to what it says next about this same grace. It teaches us to say no to all ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-control. By the way, that's a fruit of the Spirit we're told in Galatians 5, right? That's not something you're born with. That's something you're given by the Holy Spirit, right? You can have some level of self-control. I'm not saying that there's zero control in our natural man, but the reality is it's, it's pretty weak, isn't it? That's why it's a gift of the Spirit. He has to give us self-control. We're we're, we're taught by grace to live self-controlled, upright, in godly lives in this present age while we wait for. Why, why, Why should we live like this? First of all, to be lights to the world, but ultimately because we are waiting for the blessed hope. What is that? It's the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Why should we live holy lives in the here and now, listening to grace as our teacher that teaches us to deny sin and say yes to God and and by his power live in obedience? Why should we do that? Because we're waiting on Jesus to come back. He's coming back. The same one who died on the cross to save us from our sins and to redeem us from all the wickedness of this age, to purify, the text says, for himself, a a, a people who are eager to do good works. Because Jesus, why should we be living holy lives? Because Jesus, when he comes back, he wants to see those kind of people. He wants to see us grateful for grace and allowing grace to have its way in our lives that we really are shining as God's masterpieces in the world, walking in those good works that show off his beauty that he planned before the world began for us to walk in. When Jesus comes back, that's who he's looking for. Are you that person? Am I living as that creation of grace? Galatians 6, verse 15, we were there last week. What counts in this thing called the Christian life is the new creation. Galatians 5, verse 6 explains what that means. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. In the same same verse, Paul has told us it's not religion or the lack thereof. It's not all this stuff that you either do or don't do in in, in order to get a relationship with God. It's not about that. It's faith in Jesus Christ that proves its, its existence in your heart by working through love toward others. Faith in Jesus proven by love toward those all around us. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. That's how the new creation we as creations of grace are to live. James 2.26 says, As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. In the same chapter, James says, You say you have faith and I have works. I I say, show me your faith. By your works. 
prove that you trust Jesus alone for your justification, that he is your only hope before a holy God. Prove it by how you give your life to him practically Monday through Sunday. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works. We are not justified by works so that no one can boast, however, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, every ounce of the Christian's life is by God's grace in Jesus. It is God who justifies and it is God who recreates us to be masterpieces that shine and show his beauty. That show others the source of our peace, our hope, and our joy that we can only have because things are right between us and the God who made us and the God who is the judge of all the earth. And we know that they're right because his son made it right. On our behalf, in our place, as our only righteousness and hope and payment for sin. We have a righteous legal standing before God as a gift of grace. And grace recreates us to be God's living masterpieces who do good works for his glory. As the reformers would have said it, may our lives be lived solely Deo Gloria for the glory of God alone. Let's pray together.